If you're a member of our home church, I am so glad you are here. Two summers ago, I led my first digital study using Facebook and YouTube. The response was so positive, I realized two things. One, there is a hunger for discipleship in the members of our church. And two, online discipleship is a thing. People live busy lives and need something that they can pick up and listen to while they're doing the dishes or driving in the car. And I realized a podcast can do just that. Think of this as a supplement to our small groups and Sunday morning services that will keep you growing throughout the week. If you are not a member of our church, I am honored you are here. I hope you too will find the encouragement here to keep you growing in between your church services and small groups. We are all part of the global church, and one day we'll all be together face-to-face. But until now, I'm honored to speak into your life through this podcast. For all of us, let's keep growing closer to God and to others. It is so worth it. Do you feel guilty on a regular basis for the wrong things you've done? Or maybe you don't feel guilty, but you're struggling with other emotions like anxiety, anger, or depression. Many of these unhealthy emotions are actually a result of unresolved guilt. We're going to learn today what to do with this unresolved guilt so that you can get rid of those unhealthy emotions. My name is Julie Keeler, and I'm your host for the Closer Podcast, where we walk you through the stages of spiritual growth and give you all the tools and resources that you need to grow closer to God and to others. I still remember the day I realized the truth about guilt. It was the day when I had to discipline my oldest son for some defiant behavior. He was young, so it really came as no surprise to me that this behavior was occurring. This was just what young children did. So I disciplined him, and trying to disciple him, I explained that this defiance was sin and that he needed to ask for forgiveness. This seemed perfectly logical to me and like good parenting at the time. Well, his response was anything but what I had hoped. He ran up to his room, angry and upset, and he flopped himself on his bed. When I got up there, his face was buried in a pillow, and he refused to talk to me. I was hoping that my previous words would restore our relationship, but instead it drove him further away. I didn't know what to do next, so I asked the Lord to help me through this new parenting situation, and what the Lord put on my heart was a truth that I had learned as a young Christian, a truth that I had yet to communicate to my son. And that truth was the complete acceptance that we have through the forgiveness of God. I mean, yes, we had talked about how God forgives us through Jesus and that we can have a new life in him, what we call the forgiveness of salvation. But I realized now that what followed was anything but forgiveness. I had been teaching him that he needed to earn his right standing through right living. I was teaching him that he was saved by grace, but that he had to work for acceptance. Even though I knew I had a new position with the Father because of Jesus, I hadn't taught him that, and I was using guilt as a leverage, and that guilt was driving a wedge between us and between him and God. If you feel there's a wedge between you and God or between you and others, there is probably some unresolved guilt. To resolve guilt, you'll need to know two things. One, the completeness of Jesus' sacrifice and two, the complete acceptance you have from the Father as a result. 
let's go to Hebrews 10, where Paul teaches us just how complete Jesus' sacrifice was. To give you some context, Hebrews was a book written to Jewish believers, and due to intense persecution at the time, they were filled with doubt. And this doubt was causing them to abandon the grace that they had received in Jesus and to return to the rules and regulations of Judaism in hope that they would keep God's favor. Why did they think that these rules and regulations would earn God's favor? Well, before Jesus came and reconciled all people to God, the Jews were considered to be God's people. And God chose them out of all the peoples of the earth to show the world his holiness and his justice. Sadly, however, even with this great privilege and position, they sinned gravely against God. Yet God made a way for them to be made temporarily right with him. It was the sacrificial system of the law described in Leviticus. It outlined laws and systems for right living. Part of this law included animal sacrifice to atone for their sins, and the Jewish nation lived by this law for centuries in order to keep God's favor. So it was no surprise when they thought that they needed to return to it. They weren't seeing God's favor in their life, so they reasoned it was because they weren't earning it. But here's how Paul corrected their false assumptions in Hebrews 10. Verse 11 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which can never take away sins. And verse 12 continues, but our high priest, meaning Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. So here's what we see in that passage. First, the priesthood of the Old Testament law was incomplete. It was but a shadow or a picture of what was to come. They had to repeatedly offer sacrifices because their sacrifices could only cover the guilt of sin. It couldn't take it away. We try to cover our sin, don't we? Either we hide it from others or we cover it with our good works. We hide our sin because we know it stains us, makes us unclean and ugly in the sight of God and others. That's kind of what my son was doing that day. He was hiding his face in the pillow and covering himself by lying face down on the bed. He didn't want to be seen because he thought all I could see or all God could see was his sin. He felt that his sin defined him, and we feel like our sin defines us, don't we? And therefore, we feel like it separates us from God. This feeling of separation is what causes anxiety, depression, and anger, depending on your personality type. Let me explain. It's been said that depression is blame turned inward, while his anger is blame turned outward. And I'd like to add that I think anxiety is blame turned nowhere or when someone doesn't know where or who to blame. Anxiety happens when you can't find or don't know what to blame. In times of high anxiety, our thoughts and emotions often originate from a sense of the unknown. What am I to do here? What should I say? Who is to blame? Is it my fault? Is it their fault? Is it God's fault? The word anxious in the Bible has the underlying meaning of division, specifically a divided mind, one that can't find a resting place, one that is stuck between realities. It's an uncertain mind. You know, have you ever watched a child at a dessert table, especially when they're told that they have to choose just one dessert? Depending on the personality type of the child, you'll see different reactions. 
The angry child will blame their parents for making them choose just one, saying that it's unfair. The more depressive child will walk away in a slump, feeling bad that they want all the desserts and internally blaming themselves for wanting all those desserts. But the anxious child will stand there kind of fretting over the decision. They're either bouncing back and forth in decisions or they're paralyzed in indecision. Their mind can't find a resting place. So anxiety can't find someone or something to blame. Think about when we are feeling really anxious because our schedules are full or there's more on our plate than we can handle. We can often blame others and be angry at them for putting those expectations on us or for asking us to do that thing that is making us feel stressed. We can feel depressed, blaming ourselves that here we've done it again. We've gotten ourselves into this mess where there's more than we can handle and there's no way we're going to live up to the expectations. Or we can feel high anxiety where we're not really sure, is it their fault? Is it my fault? Is it the circumstances fault? Anxiety is there because we can't find that someone or something to blame. And to review, depression blames self and anger blames others. And blame separates us from God. Yet, when God looks for someone or something to blame, amazingly, he puts that blame on his only son, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be sin. He identified Christ with our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God made Christ the scapegoat, the one to blame for our sin, so we can stop looking for someone or something to blame. And we see in Hebrews 10 just how right we were made with God when God put the blame on Jesus. Verse 12 teaches us that Christ's sacrifice was absolutely complete. It says, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Notice how many times Christ died. It says only once. And notice how far his sacrifice stretches for all time. So let me ask you a question. When Christ died on the cross, how many of your sins were still in the future? Unless you have a time traveling device, the answer is the same for all of us. All of our sins were yet to be committed at the time of Jesus' death. That means both the sins you committed before accepting Christ into your life and the sins you committed after and the sins you will commit in the future, all of them were paid at the time of Christ's death. All of your sins have already been atoned for. Therefore, all of your sins are already forgiven. So why then are we in the practice of asking for forgiveness? Well, we could quote 1 John 1, 9 as a reason. You know, it says, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. Yet a careful exposition of this passage shows that this was in reference to the forgiveness given at the time of salvation. And interestingly, the Bible never tells us to ask for forgiveness once we are believers. Instead, it tells us to confess. And this word confess has a meaning that is more than most of us are aware 
We think of the word confess as to tell our sins. If you're of the Catholic faith, you confess or tell your sins to the priest. We think of confession as admitting what we did. However, the word actually has two congruent meanings, meaning two meanings that go very well together. It's to agree with and to give thanksgiving. First, it means to agree with God. It's not admitting that you did it, but admitting or agreeing with God that what he says about it is true. If he said it's wrong, then it's wrong. We are accepting the blame, but we are not identifying with the blame. Too often on the other side, we want to skirt around the blame, making excuses. And then when we finally accept the blame, we often let the blame define us. This is, we say that this is who we are and we can't change it. So this too is a mistake, which we'll talk more about next week. But accepting in the blame is just admitting that the behavior is opposite of what God wants for us, that we've acted in a way that God says is not good for us. It doesn't mean that we are the behavior. It just means we acted out that behavior. Now, here's the truly transformative part. The word confession also means to give thanks. It is almost always used in reference to Christ, giving thanks for the sacrifice that he paid, which makes total sense in reference to our passage in Hebrews 10. In the Old Testament, sacrifices had to be continually made for the forgiveness of sins. But with Christ, we are already forgiven because his sacrifice was once for all time. So when we sin, when we feel guilty, rather than sitting in our guilt and feeling the blame and the shame and identifying ourselves with the behavior that we've done. Instead, what we should do is just agree with God that our behavior wasn't what was best for us and then give thanks that we are already forgiven in Christ. Now, I say just, but there is also a second part, which is to repent, meaning to return or turn from our sin, to turn around and go in the other direction. God does want us to learn from our mistakes and to do our best to turn from it. But as you know, and I know, and as we've talked about a little bit already, this kind of change in behavior may not happen instantaneously. It may not happen overnight. We might have to go at it a few times before we get it right. But the important part is that we just keep coming back to God and saying, your word says that this is the good way and I didn't go the good way. And so I'm confessing that. But thanks be to Christ that I already have forgiveness for that sin. You know, the verses following in Hebrews 10 explains what that does for us. And so, dear brothers, Paul continues, so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. When we sin, we don't have to be ashamed and hide from God. Rather, we can go boldly into his presence, confessing our sin, knowing and thanking him that we are already forgiven. We already have 
this special favor spoken of here about the high priest. The most holy place was a place of favor that only the high priest could go into. And without the special favor of God, any other person would die in the presence of God. Yet it says we can come boldly into his presence, into the special place of favor, because Jesus, the great high priest, rules over God's house and has already died for us. This is amazing grace. So what did I tell my son that day? I told him that God is still close. God still loves him deeply. He isn't withholding himself from you. He just wants you to come to him and to talk to him. Yet the only way you can do that is by acknowledging that you didn't do things his way so that you can get back on track because he wants his best for you. And to show him that you care and you want to do things with him. He wants you to live a full and happy life. Because of Jesus, we can thank God that he has already forgiven us and can keep on living this life with God. That's what I told him. And you know what my son did? He flopped right over to his back. He uncovered himself. And with a smile on his face, he said, I'm ready to pray now. So I led him in a prayer of confession and thanksgiving. And when we were done, he apologized to me as well. And that's what the acceptance of God can do in our life. It frees us not to live selfishly and foolishly, but to live rightly with God and with others. Confession, because of our acceptance through Jesus, draws us closer to God and to others. Have you subscribed to our newsletter yet? Each week I send a note of biblical encouragement along with our latest free resource. This week I'm sending prayer cards that will help you to stop shaming, blaming, and earning acceptance and instead restore peace with God and others. If you want to get these resources along with a little midweek encouragement sent directly to your email inbox, go to closerdiscipleship.com and click subscribe at the top. My prayer is that this podcast will become somewhat of a companion to you, that it'll be something that you'll go back to and reference often whenever you get stuck in your walk with Jesus or in your discipleship relationships. But if you are not a listener by nature and you just happened on this and you're more of a visual learner, which actually is my preference, go to our website. We have all our resources and materials there, closerdiscipleship.com. Wonder why we have a shop? Well, as a ministry, we write curriculum for our home church. That's exactly how we got started. Then, as we grew, we figured we could offer these workbooks to other groups and churches to help financially support the work we're doing over here. If you buy one of our workbooks, all the money goes back into our home church and the Closer Ministry so that we can do more to help you grow closer to God and to others.